coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. There's people out there, they want to know how the world actually works and how you actually solve problems. And they don't want somebody ramming something down their throat. Yeah. And if they find somebody who will do that and they'll objectively like, okay, you are a good customer for this technology. You are not, you should not buy this. Yeah. Do not yeah. buy this, right? Yep. In, in, in an age of social media and advertising where editorial is dead, all of us have to do that. Yeah, right. And it's how, it's how you build trust and credibility in a crazy, insane world. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Perry Marshall, which if you've spent any time over the last 25 plus years, you would know that Perry Marshall is regarded as one of the most expensive, strategic business coaches in the world. Uh, he's worked with top companies. He's generated quite literally hundreds of millions of dollars for these companies. He's been featured in Inc. Magazine, Forbes Magazine. He's written, I, I don't even know how many books. He's written a hell of a lot of books. He's got countless, countless accreditations and, and people that sing his praise for his, his co coaching. Absolutely an amazing opportunity, and, and I'm actually honored that he took the time to be on Pass the Secret Sauce with us. So we get into some of Perry's upbringings and how he looks at business and how he evaluates specific uh, problems in business. Perry is absolutely a, an expert at growing companies and generating profits for companies. So we get into some of those tips and techniques and frameworks that he uses. So this is a really, really special episode that you absolutely cannot miss. If you have your own company, you want to know what Perry is talking about. And uh, he actually talks about a lot of his ideas and principles in a new book that we talk about on today's show. So really an incredible opportunity. Do not miss this episode of Pass the Secret Sauce with Perry Marshall. My dad was a minister. And so a brother and a sister. So there's five of us. And um, I was a middle child. And I always felt like I was trying to be as funny or witty as my sister and as interesting as my younger brother, who's cuter than me and <laughs> probably had a hard time doing either one. So, you know, we would, we would always pray. And then I had to eat my main course first. And then if I finished all my stuff, I would get dessert. Yep. yep. And yeah. And it, it, it was always a lively conversation and um, yeah, I've not been asked that question on a podcast before. So that's a great that's well, a great good. question. I'm glad I, I'm glad I could throw a, throw a, throw a different route in there for you. So, when you were growing up, did you have any 
entrepreneurial tendencies, exposure to entrepreneurialism. I, I would assume that maybe having a minister as a father, there's a level <laughs> of entrepreneurialism there. You know, there's a lot of you know different sales Actually, marketing that. My my dad didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in his body. Oh, really? Okay. The, the reason, the way entrepreneurship came to me was I started building stereo equipment when I was 13 and I quickly discovered the only conceivable way that I could try all of the interesting experiments and building all the crazy stuff that I wanted mm -hmm. to build was if I sold it. Mm -hmm. So when I was 14, I built a set of speakers in shop class and I ran an ad in the newspaper <laughs> and a guy came over and bought them for 60 bucks. Yeah. And he, he walked out the house with, with the speakers under his arm and my dad was sitting there reading the newspaper, kind of poker faced. And when the guy left, I... <laughs> got a, a high five from dad. He's like, wow, well, you know, you're on your way. And so I, I earned uh, probably half of high school. I yeah. earned a living from just doing that. Wow. And rent, you know, I, I didn't need a lot of money at the time, but it was enough yeah. to, you know, to get by. And, and then I studied engineering in college because I wanted to get better. So mm -hmm. And, and so now that, that, that would be the classic, classic technician entrepreneur, not mm -hmm. the real entrepreneur, okay? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, in fact, the entrepreneur was just what I had to do in order to do it, yep. right? But then um, when I was in college, I got fired from three jobs in a row in about in the space of about three or four months, <laughs> uh -huh. which I don't know if you want to hear those stories, but that like really shook my world. Yeah. And was it like, was it like, 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 holy shit, like, am I like some kind of loser? Or was it that, you know what, I don't need to, I don't need to have a job, I can do this on my own, which direction well, did you go with that? It was, well, it was, I have this funny way of rubbing people the wrong way, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> or getting myself in trouble or asking too many questions or whatever. Okay. And, and so because of those experiences, I was suddenly receptive when my friend wanted to get me into Amway. Okay. You know, the whole shtick about, yep. you know, yep. you work for somebody else in the J-O-B. Well, I wouldn't have even related to that six months before. Mm -hmm. Be like, well, I'm going to be an engineer and I'm going to get a job. But then like, oh, it really stings when you get fired from a job. Like, yeah. Uh, I actually played a practical joke and it got me in trouble and uh, like having to tell my brand new father-in-law because I was just married on the phone. Hey, Ron, you know, <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe what just happened yesterday. <laughs> right. And I said, it, the, these rose colored glasses got shattered. And so, and so I, I took Amway seriously. Mm-hmm which was, that was, well, that still wasn't real entrepreneurship. That was still kindergarten entrepreneurship. But I mean, for tons of people, MLM and stuff like that is a rite of passage. And that was yeah. absolutely for me. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, so when would you say that you made the, the final leap into, you know, true entrepreneurialism and, and what was that leap? Well, the real, like the real leap was, so I, I worked for a company as an employee for four years, but I had stock options and the company got sold. Mm -hmm. And I treated that job like it was a business. I was very, very dedicated to that job. And, and it worked. And I got some money when the company got sold and I left 
and I hung out my shingle. My wife told me, it, this was a month and a day after 9-11, by the way. Oh, wow, wow. Okay, so the world was like yeah. in a suspended state of chaos. It was kind of like COVID, okay? Yep. It, was like, yep. it was like the first few weeks of COVID. And they're offering me a job. My wife goes, this is your chance, take it. Mm-hmm. And I listened to her. And, and so I hung out my shingle as a, basically as a freelance marketing consultant. Okay. And I got some clients within a few weeks and I was off to the races. And that's what I would call the real actual entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you hung your shingle as a, as a marketing person. Is that what you were doing for the other jobs or is it just yeah, something I was, you... I was a sales and marketing manager and I had discovered Dan Kennedy about four okay. years before that. Now I was in the technical corporate B2B world mm-hmm. where, you know, it takes a little work to adjust Dan Kennedy stuff to that world. Mm-hmm. You can't just, why you should crawl butt naked over broken glass to buy right. this, you know, software driver, yeah. <laughs> right? But, but I, you know, I kind of figured that out and, and I thought, well, you know, this has gone pretty well. What if I actually got good at this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I became a very, very serious student of marketing. Like I am all over this thing. I want to know everything there is to know. Yeah. I, and I've, I've had similar, I guess, I, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good speller. It's, just, it's like, it's like, it's like pulling my fingernails out when I have to sit down and write, but I love the, the, the science and the philosophy behind, behind it. So I can, you know, offer advice to people, but I can't write it or anything. So kudos to you for being able to, to put that together. What are some of these, these early things that you learned, you know, when you, when you made that leap into, you know, doing this, I guess, on your own, you know, marketing your own company and then, you know, being able to, to market for other people or, or consulting for, for other people as well. Were you doing the, you know, those, those same types of sort of in your face sales letters, you know, the crawling over broken glass with your bare butt type things, or were you, did you kind of tone it down again for, Oh, oh, I, I had to tone it down for sure. But the thing was like with my job, I never had any more than, a couple thousand bucks mm-hmm. at any given time to do anything that we needed to do. It was a small company with tight finances and the money had to come back with friends attached in 90 days or less. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, we were selling this industrial hardware and software and stuff. And, and, and so like one of the things that happened was the, the president of the company was invited to write a magazine article for a trade journal. And his friend said, oh, Mike, you, you should be all over that. That is a great free publicity, go. Okay. And so he writes this article and he gets done with it. And he, I sit in his office, he goes, Perry, never again. Yeah. He, maybe he was like you. He's like, didn't yeah. really like to write, not really his thing. And he goes, just kind of offhandedly, he goes, hey, Perry, if, if you'll write a magazine article, I'll pay 500 bucks. I go, you will? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, actually I will. Cause I, I'm never doing this again. It's a good yeah. idea, but this is not my thing. And I go, Oh, okay. So I started doing that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I went to a trade show one time and I tracked down every magazine editor and I booked a little appointment with them and I showed them some of the stuff that I'd done. And I go, 
hey, let me look at your editorial calendar. I'll schedule me in. I will give you a great article about industrial networking or what have you. And they were like, okay. And so this actually was one of the biggest parts of successfully becoming a marketing consultant later. Mm -hmm. It was because I could show a client, look, I know how to get an article in a trade magazine. Mm-hmm. that would normally cost $6,000 a page if you were advertising. And I'll get you three pages of editorial, not even advertising, arguably worth more than the 18,000. Yeah, yeah. But I'll only charge you three. Yeah. And that that's how I paid my mortgage for the first year or so of going out on my own was I was basically a press agent and I was also doing SEO and mm-hmm, PPC mm-hmm. and all these other things. But it, basically, I, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but I was building a network of colleagues and magazine editors and sales managers and marketing people that I knew. Mm-hmm. And they knew that I was good at what I did. And so when I quit that job, I actually got a couple of possible job offers. And I said, well, how about we do a project instead of like, let's just do like a freelance project. And they were like, well, okay, that, yeah, we could do that. And, and I was off to the races. Interesting. So you said like you're writing industrial networking articles, right? Yeah. So how the hell do you make industrial networking article interesting? And, and like, how do you, is there a process or a step that you kind of break down and extract the interesting elements of those types of topics? Well, so in, in 8020 sales and marketing, my book, I talk about the five power disqualifiers and they're, they're the five things that are always true. Anytime anybody buys anything from anybody. And the first two are they have the money and they have a bleeding neck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So bleeding neck, there, there, there's some kind of pain or suffering or anxiety. And well, if you are a factory engineer and you have the plastic pellets are coming down the conveyor belt and all the sensors and you know the boxes have to get filled and all that other stuff, if that goes wrong, your ass is gonna get kicked yeah. like really fast. Okay. And so if you're installing any kind of new technology, you have to get it right and you have to know what you're doing. And so. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down? or figure out what is happening in your business. Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, Give Virtus Technology a call today. I am, I'm writing an article that's going to be read by somebody who's in this situation. They're like, okay, there's six different networks I can choose from. Which one do I use? And what are the pros and what are the cons? 
And so they would read my article, they would ask for a white paper because there would be a thing at the end and we would sort of get them into our way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's like in any industry, there are the issues of the day, yeah, right? right? And there are the technologies of the day and, and, and you, you're right about them, right? And I mean, that's the formula. It's like, what are people laying awake about at night in this particular niche? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like whatever it happens, I mean, it could be Vietnamese potbelly pigs. I mean, I don't care, but yeah. whatever it is, they're, they're agitated about it. So it's like, and so I, I think what I was good at was writing an article that was interesting to read did not flagrantly flog my stuff because the yeah. editors hate that yeah and i would get it done on time like the, the editors were terrified because it happens to them all the time like oh uh, uh i know it's due today but can i have another week like no you can't have another yeah. week the magazine is going to print press like in 48 in hours, hours yeah. <laughs> yeah and you just screwed me yeah and now I have to like pull something out of thin air. And so I would always, I would always get them done on time and, and they liked me. And so, so what happens after a while, it was like, well, then if you call them and you go, well, Hey, I got this client and they're in the HVAC industry and you've got your HVAC issue in July and I, I can give you a good article. And they're like, yeah, sure. Now, if that client called them, they wouldn't be so sure. Yeah. They'd be like, well, uh, maybe, right? But I, I paid, like, hey, I'm going to make sure this goes okay for you. So I was a conduit to the press. It was also, uh, I mean, this is 20 years ago. It was an early version of starting to understand that journalism is dead. The mm -hmm. journalism is created by the vendors. And the vendors actually need to do a good job of doing what it, but an honest person would consider journalism. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, well, even today, where like, like, editorial is dead. Journalism is dead. Okay, but truth doesn't have to be dead. Like, mm -hmm. there's people out there. They want to know how the world actually works and how you actually solve problems. And they don't want somebody ramming something down their throat. Yeah. And if they find somebody who will do that and they'll objectively like, okay, you are a good customer for this technology. You are not, you should not buy this. Yeah. Do not yeah. buy this. Right. Yeah. In, in, in an age of social media and advertising where editorial is dead, all of us have to do that. Yeah. Right. And it's how, it's how you build trust and credibility in a crazy, insane world. And, and so have you found any, I guess, better ways? And, and I, hate, I hate going down this path because I don't want anyone to think like there's a, a magic silver bullet or anything like that. I know that there's, you know, you kind of have to blanket yourself all over the place. But are there, are there certain medians that you find have a better impact or better effect or better reach today well, than I'll, others? Well, well, which media you use depends on which medium your audience is using. Okay. okay. So, I mean, if you're selling to 19 year olds, it's probably TikTok. And, right. you know, and if you're selling to 45 year old moms, it's probably Facebook. And, you know, 
Okay, so, so, so there's that. Now, now here's like, a, let me give you like a, a tactic that is actually a more general principle that's probably applicable, applicable to almost everybody. So mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story. So, so Facebook ads. So I have a brand new Facebook advertising book, fourth edition. And if your audience is on Facebook, then go buy my Facebook advertising book. But mm -hmm. 10 years ago is when the first edition of that book came out. And back then, so right now, Facebook is at least useful for almost any audience you can imagine because almost everybody's on Facebook to some extent, right? Yeah, right. Back then, Facebook advertising worked for maybe 15% of people. Okay and not everybody else. Yeah. If you are selling industrial software, do not start on Facebook, yeah. okay? Maybe if you're selling, I don't know, you know, politics or something, right? And so we made this quit. We said, if, if a bunch of people buy this book and 85% of them figure out that Facebook does not work for them, we are gonna get a bunch of two-star reviews and mm -hmm. it's gonna suck. Mm -hmm. How do we prevent that from happening? So we made a quiz, is Facebook for me? Uh, we still have it. You, you yeah. can Google search it. And you can answer 10 or 12 questions. And it would give you a score from one to 10. You're an 8.9, you're 6.4, you're a 3.2. Mm -hmm. And anything below about a six, we would say, you know, you probably don't want to do this. Yeah. And that works. Okay, now that's just a very specific technique, but in general, I think everybody who sells anything should be doing that in mm -hmm. some way or shape or form. Mm -hmm. You should have a definitive idea who is my customer, who is not my customer, and you should be actively disqualifying people who are not your customer before you try to convince anybody of anything. Yeah, yeah. And most people do not do this. Yeah, right. But it, it, it so increases your credibility. When the guy takes the Facebook quiz and he can clearly see, there's a bunch of people that got threes and we said, go away, do Google AdWords, do YouTube, do not do this. Yeah. And then you get an 8.9, Matt, you should be all over this like yeah. white on rice, Yep. You should you should turn one dollar into three dollars on Facebook as fast as you can. And by the way, you should probably take our two thousand dollar training course because yeah, it will seriously help you. Yep, that's actually that's very believable. Yep, yeah, you're you're sort of allowing them to almost self-identify themselves, and then right, you know, and and they can see that you're pushing people away too at the same time. Right. So so. so I keep going back. So one of my favorite marketing books is Breakthrough Advertising. Have you yeah. have you read that? Yeah, um, totally. Eugene Schwartz and mm -hmm. and you know the the whole idea of market sophistication and and you know sort of understanding where your customer is, I guess, in that life cycle. So do you have a new product or is it a, a an industry that is very well known? You know, how do you what do you what other features do you need to add into whatever that industry is to sort of stand out. Do you find that 
you know, using today's advertising methods, whether it be Facebook or pay-per-click or anything like that, do you need to call out those additional features if, again, you are in a crowded industry, would you say? Oh, or is like, it like never before, okay, look, here's the reality of the way the world works. If you're number one in any market, well, at least as long as it's not shrinking or going down in flames, like yeah. any stable market, if you're number one, you're sitting pretty. Like mm -hmm. you're gonna, if, if you're not an idiot, you'll make a lot of money. Okay, number two, you'll make a living. Number three, four, five, and six are all like eating scraps off the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is just how it is. Yeah, and this is more true now than it was 20 years ago. The winners win bigger and the losers lose bigger on the internet. This is how the world is. Okay, so if you want to make money, you need to be number one in a growing market. If you're, if, if somebody else is Coke, you do not want to be Pepsi, you want to be seven up. Mm -hmm. And if you can't be seven up, do not be Sierra Mist, be Dr. Pepper. And whatever you do, do not be Mr. Pib. You, you don't want to be number two. Okay, so what, what do I mean by that? There's a market and there's already an established set of competitors and you know mm -hmm. who's, who's on top and who's Coca-Cola. You need to find a part of the market that nobody is addressing and you need to be the first to address it. Okay, if all of the car stereos have USB, but nobody has Bluetooth, then you'd be the first car stereo with Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're number one in the growing market, even though there's Pioneer and Kenwood and Alpine and all of the, you, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yep, yep. And, and this is so important. This is literally square one mm -hmm. of any business is you have to figure out how you're going to be number one. And if you can't, you shouldn't do it now. Let's make it a little bit easier. If Coca-Cola is number one on television and radio, but Coca-Cola is not on Instagram, mm -hmm. there's actually a fighting chance that you could make a cola for Instagram and be the king of Instagram, even though nobody on any other media channel knows who you are. Okay. Interesting. And people do do this. Yeah. Okay. Because... The principle of being number one in a growing market is defined by the market and markets are defined by media. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, uh, so if, if you're a real estate agent in Portland, Oregon, and you're the only one on TikTok, it might work. Yeah. So it's a possible angle. I, I'm not saying that's the thing, but media is a big consideration. Yeah, that's really interesting. And another thing that you kind of were, were making me think of is again, blue ocean strategy, you know, you're trying to trying to, uh, you know, find the, the area where it's not all bloody, and you're not trying to, you know, hack into somebody else's market share and say, you know, we're, we're better than them for whatever reason. I don't know what the right answer is to this, but I want to ask the question. Do you have any, any techniques for a, a company, an individual that might be in a very me too type industry to identify a way to be able to make themselves stand out. So yeah. Yeah. What you do is you, 
So this could be a survey, this could be an email, this could be a phone call, any way you get the information. But I'll give it to you in survey form, okay? Somebody is searching Google for real estate agent and uh, they click on your website and you have three questions. Number one, what caused you to search for a real estate agent today? Okay, and they and they type in the answer. And and then and then you say, what is your biggest frustration about real estate agents right now? Or what is your biggest problem that you know that you're trying to solve? And like that's question number two. And question number three is just a radio button. How hard has it been to solve this problem for you? Very hard sort of hard, not very hard. Mm -hmm. You get three questions and you could ask him on the phone. I don't care how you ask him. Okay. You take, you take the answers you get, you throw away the not very hards, you throw away the sort of hards and you keep the very hards and you throw away the short answers and you keep the long answers. Okay. That's your product. Yeah. That, so these are people saying, I search for a real estate agent I cannot, for the life of me, find anyone who will fill in the blank. Yep, yep. That is your growing market that you can be number one in. That's that's a fan. I, I'm, I love frameworks. I love shortcuts like that that you can you know again fill in the blanks. So thank you for that. That that's fantastic. Yes. Talk a little bit about your your book eighty twenty. Um, what, what's what's included in the book? Are there more frameworks like that? You know, who's it for? Yes. Okay. So. 80-20 sales and marketing, if I may be a little bit immodest, this is a book everybody should read five times. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why, why would I say such a thing? Well, I heard somewhere 20 years ago that 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers and 20% of your business comes from 80% of your customers. And I thought, is that true? And I was working at that software company and and i printed out a quickbooks report and i looked at it i was like i went through with my calculator like you know, like mm -hmm. i'll be darned it's true it's true yeah <laughs> well that was interesting but i didn't get it yet okay i thought it was just i don't know some quirk of economics or or whatever no 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 it's like a law of physics and applies to almost everything mm -hmm. okay 80% of the dirt on your carpet is on 20% of the carpet, okay? It's in your spreadsheets and your advertising and your profit and your loss and your support tickets and, and, and product defects and everything, okay? Furthermore, so, so everything is ridiculously unequal. So if you, if you understand 80-20, what 80-20 tells you is that the good customers are 16 times better than the average customers. Mm -hmm. And that's just crudely dividing them into two camps, the 20 and the 80, which everybody should do. Who's the 20, who's the 80? Every minute you spend with the 20 is 16 times more productive yeah, right. than a minute spent with everybody else. And it's true of your salespeople. It's, okay, so not only that, it's also squared because 20% of the 20% is 80% of the 80%. Mm -hmm. 
So there are ridiculous levels of inequality in business, 16 to one, 50 to one, 100 to one. There's all these little levers and most people, they just don't see them. Or they're, they're vaguely aware. They're like, okay, I, yeah, I know these customers are more important than those. No, you don't understand how much more important they are. And so what I realized was almost everything in marketing can be explained more simply, more easily, less effort, less extraneous, you know, confusion. Mm -hmm. If, if you, everything, if you just put it in 80, 20 context, it's like, and so as soon as you wrap your, your head around 80, 20 and you get it, it's like, oh, there, there's the, there's the 20%. There's the 20, there yeah. it is. There it is. There it is. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah. And, and, and so what I, I wrote the book that I wish I'd had in my first sales job when my wife got pregnant and I got laid off from my job and I, and I went into sales, mm -hmm. which was bologna sandwiches, ramen soup, baked potatoes yep. and salsa. I mean, this is the book I wish I had. And, and, and it is, it is so deep. It's so profound. So 80, th that's what 80, 20 sales and marketing is. And it, it'll, that book will probably save you five hours a week, every week, just reading it once. Wow. That's, that, that, that's a big claim and I love it. So, so does the book actually even, I'm assuming it, it teaches you how to identify that 20%, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole point of mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm in going your, to- uh... In your marketing, in your sales, in your advertising, in your employees, in yeah. your time management, it, it applies to everything. So, so 8020 says that in, in the year 2020, Matt Shields, actually generated you generated half of your income in mm -hmm. about three days okay now you'd probably chop them up and spread them around the year yeah but it was like okay this one hour meeting yep this half day customer visit this speech i gave this podcast interview i did this contract i signed like those six things literally made me half the money that yeah, I made last I would year, agree with half that. the customers. And the rest of the year, the other 247 days of the year that you were working made you the other half. Yeah. Yep. It's like, it's almost bound to be true. It's, it's even true of a receptionist at a dentist office who makes $15 an hour and doesn't even think about business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so when you when you suddenly see this and realize it, it's like a it's like a neo matrix moment, like, oh my word, like I've been wasting all this time. And one of the cool things that it does, it gives you permission and an understanding. You know what? You know what this actually means is that I could I could do this and this and this, mm -hmm. and I can stop working at three o'clock today and go to that concert yeah, and not feel guilty about it. Yep. And, and you actually need to do this because I think most entrepreneurs work too hard. Mm -hmm. They do too much stuff. They are creatively burned out. Yeah. Yeah. They can't like they're, 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 they're coming through their email box or their social media feed looking for a new idea because their brain is too burned out to come up with one on their own. Yeah. Like, I, dude, I, I completely you, agree. 
That's crazy. I, 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 am like, yes, yes, that's me. That's me. I, I completely, I completely agree with all of that. This is, this like, is, this is great. Go to the concert. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. And you know, life is too short. You know, I, obviously I've, I've had, um, you know, things that have happened to me in my life that I've, I've realized like when I was 16, my, my father passed away, he actually drowned. Mm, and, and oh I, I, I realized at that point, like, before that, I was always very, very worried about what people thought of me. But after that, I realized, you know what, life is too short to worry about what, what people think about you. And, you know, and life is too short to, to spend every waking moment, you know, worrying about getting everything done. And, you know, what people want to see on, you know, on the internet or on Instagram or whatever. So, you know, being able to, again, identify what those, those specific things are that, you know, sh you should be doing and you should be spending your time on incredibly incredibly powerful i i really and and how did you um so i i know that you you touched on the 80 20 rule early on did you use some kind of a framework yourself to be able to you know sort of extrapolate all this and put this you know into a written i mean i'm sure that this is over many 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 years of experiences and and you know thinking about this but how did you come up with this this you know this this format or this this process well what happened was I, I read a book called The 80-20 Principle by Richard Koch, mm -hmm. which I think is one of the best business books ever written. And he made this almost throwaway comment at the beginning of the book. He said, 80-20 has a lot to do with chaos theory. Well, I've, I've, I had a few books about chaos. Chaos theory is like really interesting. It's like, it's the butterfly effect. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, why this, you know, a butterfly wing could turn into a hurricane six months later and how yeah. it's like, the, because the world is full of all these feedback loops and these things that multiply. This is how weather works. It's mm -hmm. how cracks in the windshield like grow across the windshield. And, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. If he's, if that's true, that that means that there's a pattern and a pattern and a pattern. It means there's an 80-20 inside the 80-20. Now, yeah. he didn't say anything about that. I'm like, wait a minute, is that true? And I was, I was, I was in a coffee shop and I, 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 I like leaped up out of my chair and I paid my bill, I ran home and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, is this true? And I, I had been in business for a year and a half. So picture, freelancer, consultant, got a few mm -hmm. clients, trying to sell some info products, like lots of people like are living this life. Yeah, right? right. And I'm, you know, I'm paying my bills, but just kind of getting by. And I'm like, okay, so is this true? Are all my clients 80, 20? Are all my leads 80, 20? Is all my website 80, 20? And is it true that it's like the 80, 20 inside the 80, 20? It was like, mm -hmm. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I'm like, why hasn't anybody told me this? Yeah. 10 years ago, how did I just find out now? Well, I'm an engineer. And I was like, there, there ought to be like an equation or something. Yeah. Where is it? And I, I could not find anything like what I, what I was envisioning it. And so I had to invent it. And so, I, I mean, this sounds really geeky, I suppose, but like I worked out this formula mm -hmm that you could put in a spreadsheet or, or a calculator or whatever. And that formula actually got published in Harvard Business Review oh, wow. about two or three years ago. And it's, it's like this different way of doing 80-20. And so I put this formula 
in a website called 8020curve.com. And it's, it's a little geeky and the propeller heads will totally get it. Maybe some people won't, but the, the book explains all how to use it. But, it, but, but, but here's, what, here's what it does. Mm -hmm. You can say, all right, I, run a, I manage a Starbucks. I had a thousand people buy $5 lattes this week. Mm -hmm. And the two, how many people would spend $2,700 on an espresso machine? And the answer is one out of a thousand will spend 20, you know, 2,700 bucks. And, and so out of 5,000 people, a thousand people gave you $5,000. Yeah. You get $7,700 if you sell one person an espresso machine and your revenue just went up 50%. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's like, this is like gravity. 80-20 is incredibly predictable. It's like, if I have a room full of 100 people and I know the average salary in the room is $60,000 a year. I can tell you exactly how many people in the room make $400,000 a year, mm -hmm. how many people make a million dollars a year. It's like perfectly predictable. Yeah. You can't, is it, and, and listen, all of us entrepreneurs, we manage risk. Yep. If you can pinpoint risk more precisely than everybody else, because you happen to know a handy dandy little formula that everybody else doesn't know, you know, it's like in the stock market, you only have to be right 51% exactly. of the time. Yeah, it gives you that edge. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so it's incredibly powerful. I don't think there's any concept in business that's more powerful than 80-20. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, so you could just take this podcast with just what I told you. And if you stop and think about it for a few minutes, you probably give yourself a 10% raise. Yeah. But if you read this book five times, man, you'll be a ninja. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna order it tonight. And I I'm so glad that we went through the the process of you growing up and your your early you know engineer because that that, that all makes sense now because I you know I'm like I, I actually kind of forgotten about that part part of our conversation you know you're in advertising and how did you come up with this but it was the engineer mind behind that where you're able to you know sort of extract those pieces and then put them together. Yes, and and okay, I think a lot of people the way they get into entrepreneurship is they're frustrated with their career, their job, their profession, whatever, where they came from. Well, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be a, I want to be Elon Musk or yeah. you know, whatever. Okay. And what, what I'll, I, I see people over very consistently, they devalue what, whatever, wherever it is that they came from. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so you go to marketing seminars, you're in entrepreneurship, you, you know, you do all this kind of stuff. You listen to these kind of podcasts and you're a bricklayer. Yeah. Well, don't discount bricklaying. Don't discount what you know about bricklaying. You know, all that information that you have about the bricklaying industry, mm -hmm. it's all valuable. In fact, it's incredibly valuable if you go take all that marketing education, you bring it back into bricklaying. The mistake people do is they go, I'm a bricklayer, but I'm going to get rich in real estate or I'm going to get rich in affiliate marketing. Well, it's really easy to buy into that pitch because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And people get their asses handed them because, well, they hate their bricklaying job and they hate their bricklaying boss and they're going to give them the finger and I'm going to go get rich in real estate. 
and then they get run over by a truck. And it's like, hey, you know, okay, I know, I know you have these frustrations, but you have tribal knowledge that 99% of the people in the world do not have. Mm-hmm. Do not ignore, do not neglect. Yeah, no, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, past experience is incredibly valuable. And, and I actually, so, so for whatever reason, a lot of entrepreneurs come to me and ask questions and, and advice. And I always try to get them to think exactly that way. You know, don't, don't try to make a leap to something that's completely different than what you already know, what your background already is. Take, you know, take that knowledge, take those assets, take whatever it is that you've already built up and try to, you know, spin that into whatever direction you're trying to go. So couldn't agree more. Perry, this has been, uh, this has been fantastic. This has been one of my favorite podcasts that we've done to date. So thank you for that. Before we leave, if, if people wanted to reach out to you, learn more about you, learn more about the book, what, what would be the best way to do that? Go to sell8020.com. You can buy the book for $7, including shipping instead of paying 17 on Amazon and it'll ship to your door with some extra bonuses at sell8020.com. Love it. Perry, thank you again. This has been fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.